Hello and welcome to That Band Life. I'm Jeff Young, a teacher from Carmel, Indiana. And I'm Bobby Lambert, director of bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. Well, this week, it's a real treat for us. We get to talk to DJ Corchin, award-winning children's author and friend to bands everywhere. Before we begin, I want to tell you about the Dynamic Marching Shop. This podcast is coming to you ad-free. and One way you can support us is by visiting our website, dynamicmarching.com. And sign up for some or all of our awesome courses and instructional videos. You can also purchase products through our store at some of the most discounted prices on the web. On things like shoes, rifles, podiums, megavoxes, and flagpoles. I know many times you continue to order your products from the same people, but if you look at our prices, you might change your mind. We even offer deeper discounts on large orders, so please give us a chance to win your business. Bobby, tell us a little bit about who we're talking to today. Yeah, so this is this is a dear friend that I've met now. I guess probably 2013 was the first time that we met live and in person. Uh, but we've had several friends along the way, and and have uh, you know theoretically crossed paths before that. But uh, this is Mr. DJ Corchin. Uh, you know, he's an author and illustrator, uh, award-winning children's books. Um, he's one of those people that if you meet him, you won't know that you've met somebody who's as good or as well-known as is he. He is one of those people that is very unassuming and is just a good, uh, the first time I met him, I was like, he's got to be a good band person. Like, uh, you know, just very unassuming. I saw him working with people and talking with young people and just was incredible at it right from the get-go. And so we, we hit it off very quickly. And then it was only later that I found some, you know, this guy's also <laughs> this amazing author that's here. So uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been great. And so he visits schools all around the country discussing his stories and how people can, on his website it says he he's discussing his stories and how people can find a path through their own creative universe, which I think is pretty powerful. Uh, and if you get to read any of the books, uh, some of you would know like the 13th chair. You may not have known who that person was behind the, the pen, but that's DJ. So we're really excited to have DJ Corchin join us on the show today. Welcome, DJ. Oh, thanks so much, man. You make it sound like I'm uh, I'm some sort of band nerd ninja. I love it. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> well, I think if there is one, you are the you are the patron saint of it <laughs> because of the the way that you've really helped to bring band kind of into the mainstream of children's books, which I think is one of the coolest things that's there. And it's not like band is the only topic that you address. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But how did you come to this place of being an author? first of all, and then, you know, take us through the, I'm sure that there was a, a sidetrack around the band world. And I know some yeah. of that story, but why don't you tell us how you came to find that place? Yeah, it's a, it's a wild and crazy ride for sure. You know, um, when we talk about, uh, band teaching life 101, it, it, it's, it's, it's not just a cliche. It's definitely true. And, uh, my journey to be a children's author actually started with band and, um, and it was it was quite ironic um, that uh, that I ended up being a children's author through touring in a really wonderful show that was all about band. So let me let me take it a little bit uh, farther back. So um, I started like a lot of band directors. Um, you know, I wanted to go to college to be a band director, and um, I, I studied at DePaul University in Chicago. And um, I was on my way. In my last semester, I had a buddy. 
um, who I met through an organization that, that you all are very familiar with, Music for All. Um, and we were on what's called the Swag Team, which is like a like we're like counselors uh, for this band group. And um, and I had met this guy um, just one year and we become good friends. And he was in a show called Blast uh, out in New York. And he had uh, he had said, hey, DJ, I don't know many dancing euphonium players. You should probably uh, audition for this. And, and I said, well, Dancing is that on your is that game. on your business card, DJ? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it doesn't you know the stars don't align that often where it's just you know a perfect job and so uh, so he had me uh, so I auditioned and and I made it and um and my life took a wild turn and uh, I actually finished college on the road um, while I was um, uh, learning the show and uh, while I was learning the show um, I had a couple really fun. I got to meet some really amazing people first and foremost. So I, the show, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's like drum corps and, and marching band on stage. And um, it was a Tony and Emmy award-winning Broadway show. And I was very fortunate to be uh, part of the cast. And my role was a trombone player, euphonium player, a little bit of a percussion. Um, I also got to do the crazy role of uh, riding a unicycle and playing the trombone, which is, you know, pretty normal, what a normal what a normal person does. Um that's what, that's what all of them, well that's what all the that's what the 56 uh, caramel euphoniums do in their <laughs> yeah, spare time yeah. right right jeff sure. yeah totally <laughs> yeah it's um it, it really gets the uh, the thighs in shape for sure um but you know one of the other the other thing that i did that this was the spark that kind of ignited everything in terms of my writing was it was really important to me to have an element of music education so um I kind of uh, made this plea to our marketing department saying, hey, I really want to put together a group that obviously markets the show, but goes and talks to kids about music education because we were getting to go to cities all over the country and then sometimes over the uh, on the other side of the planet. And it was really important to connect with them. So we, no matter what walk of life these kids were from, we went to places from, you know, uh, all the way up East Coast, all the way to the West Coast, North, South, everywhere. And I started learning a lot about them about all the kids in their communities. And I found out that I'm sure many of the directors that listen to your podcast know this is that there are so many similarities amongst our differences that bring us together. And I started writing them down in a, in a journal, in a book. And I didn't write them down in like a sentence. I, I wrote them down in a poem structure. And the reason I did that is, and this is a really fun anecdote. My, um, uh, my grandmother went to high school with Shel Silverstein, so um, oh, I grew wow. up with his with, yeah with his poem books. I actually have her yearbook from like nineteen forty something with his signature in it. So I was very um, I love his poems, and uh, so I started writing them in in my notebook. And for those three years that I was on tour, um, I had a whole book ready to go. And so when I became a director. After that, um, I taught for a little bit. I started to decide to, hey, somebody wrote a book. I can do that as well. And lo and behold, that became my first book, which was Band Nerds Poetry from the 13th Chair Trombone Player. And um, <laughs> so, you know, it's it, Steve Jobs said, uh, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. And uh, there's no way I would have been able to project, you know, going from, you know, band director to unicycling trombone player to children's author um, in any way, shape, or form. But um, everything that I learned in uh, becoming a band director relates really well to telling stories um, about really hard concepts that we in the human experience have to show our students when you're a band director for sure. So that's kind of how I got there. Well, and what's very cool is like, I think 
any person who has been around the band world for any amount of time can relate to some of those things, the music for all connection, the blast connection, certainly all of that. And what, what's very cool is now to see you bringing some of that thought, some of those feelings even into this young person's uh, nomenclature is really pretty cool. So I have to, I have to share with everybody the reason the, DJ sent me uh, several of his books and the way that I sort of got ready for this podcast was I gave it to my sixth grade new flute player. Uh, my yeah. oldest daughter is in middle school band and just started uh, playing the flute. And so I was like, Hey Maria, would you just give this a read and tell me what you think? And she's a pretty voracious reader. And so she sat down and read actually through the confessions book and, wow. uh, loved it and she it was funny because we actually we were in the car yesterday and she brought it with her so that's how i know that she likes a book pretty well <laughs> and she started reading some of the things where there's a, a poem about the triangle man and if you if you have that one dj i'd like to i'd love for you to be able to read that one to us but about she the thought instrument the triangle uh, yes about the instrument the okay. triangle or, or the triangle <laughs> player i guess is probably a little more appropriate is that right dj is that <laughs> yeah you're, you're talking about the the, the one with the uh, rose in his mouth and all that. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That was the one she laughed out loud. And I said, what, what are you reading? And she goes, you got, you have to look at this picture. And so there's a great little uh, illustration of this, this boy with a rose in his mouth playing triangle and the poem that's, that goes along with it. It's of a very suave individual, which I think is great. And it, it just, it's, it was funny because she would read different things from that with me. And I, I saw it on about five different levels. Like just the base level was, this is funny. That's great. It made her think about it in a different way. And then you go down about two more levels and say like, oh, okay, there's a, as with all stereotypes, there's a little bit of truth <laughs> into yeah. some of those things. And yeah. and then, then what was cool is, is, you know, she has often, she has braces now and has only had them for about a month. And at first she was super excited about it and then really went through a phase where she wasn't. And there were some of the characters along the way in this book that you could see some of the self-consciousness that was there. You could see some of the things, and it was so good for her to just relate to that in a different level. So I thought, man, this is really cool that you're seeing that, you know, I, I would read these and chuckle. My sixth grader reads them and actually feels a little bit better about herself while she's chuckling. So. That was what I was I was really most impressed with as I go through it. Um, you know, at, when you sit down to do these, especially now, you know, a lot of it I can tell was from observation. But when you sit down to do these now, w what is the motivation behind? Well, you know, I guess let's jump to maybe a thousand no's. That's, you know, one of the books that's that's out there right now, kind of on the forefront. What yeah. would, what made you sit down and say, I want to do a book well, titled A Thousand No's? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. There's, there's a couple stories that go along with it, but at, at the heart of, you know, a thousand no's is really talking about, um, you know, not letting our expectations get in the way of our perception, which ironically is something that I learned at, uh, at band camp. <laughs> um, I, I learned it, um, from, uh, from a gentleman that was teaching, uh, some leadership through some ropes courses. And it was, and I thought it was a beautiful saying and it applies to everything. And especially about, you know, now, you know, not everybody's in school. And in fact, many people aren't and we're, but we're in school, but we're home and it's super weird. And, um, we have these expectations and you as a band director might have this expectation of this is how a band program should be run. And then we have all these curveballs thrown at us and a thousand no's 
is really about letting go of those expectations. And instead of, of, of focusing just on that, we, we allow our perception to be a lot wider than it normally would be. And we can actually wonder about the things that could be instead of the things that should be. And, I, you know, I want to take a step back because I'm really happy that your daughter found that out about about the Band Nerds books, because the the layers is is the part that's the most important to me. And you 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 hit it on the head. And, and that just made me feel really good. You can tell her she just made me feel really good where, you know, she felt a little better about herself because, you know, it's about taking what you do seriously and not yourself too seriously. And I think what happens is we get we get lost in the perfection of it all. We get lost in the performance and we get lost into um, the, uh, uh, you know, nailing everything that it becomes just about this. And any good band director will tell you that it's not about that. Right. That it is about the whole student and growing up. But when we when we talk about that, we also have to act on it. And that's where a thousand no's um, kind of comes into play in the band world, because I'll tell you two really inspiring stories of where this book came from. The first one came from when I met John Hughes. And uh, for those of you listening, don't know who John Hughes is. He wrote some of the most uh, memorable movies out of the 80s, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, 16 Candles, um, Uncle Buck, all those types. Home Alone, obviously. And um, I had the I had the chance to talk to him. I was working a retail job after I left teaching, uh, trying to become a, t- uh, a writer. And uh, he, he actually spent time with me in the store that I was working at. And he said, DJ, he's like, what do you, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm trying to be a writer. And he looks at me and he goes, well, have you written anything? And I said, yes. And he said, well, then you're a writer. And that just blew my mind because it, t- it changed my life. I, I realized at that moment that I did not have to um, have permission to be able to do something or be something. So you're a writer the minute you write something on paper. Um, you're a composer the minute you write a piece of music, even if you didn't actually write it on a piece of paper. Right. You're a, you're a dancer the minute you dance, even if nobody's watching. And so giving yourself that permission to be something um, is so freeing. And I think for any student or any director to learn that lesson will allow them to um, let go of their expectations of how they think something is supposed to be. The other inspirational story that I think relates re- uh, tremendously to the band world is um, I had the chance to talk to somebody who actually helped designs the iPhones. And in this conversation, yeah, it was really cool. He was actually part of the industrial um, design team. And, uh, and I, I got about 45 minutes with him and I was, I was a little cheeky with him and I was like, Hey, so when like, uh, when the CEO is up there and he's, um, you know, presenting your, you know, the, the next iPhone and he showed, you know, the big dramatic British voice comes over and starts, um, talking to you about, um, uh, the, the way the phone looks and shape and, and he shows this one corner. Do you, do you look up that at that corner and go, yeah, that corner, I designed that. And, and he, he paused for a minute and I thought I was being kind of a smart aleck and he goes, you know, it's just not like that. He goes, even if I came up with that original idea, that original corner, he goes, by the time that it was, it was, it was up there, it had been touched by so many talented people that it was our idea. And I thought, man, what a great message for anybody in the creative world, especially my, 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 at the time, well, now as a former band director, like that, that band director world where imagine if you had students that only cared about making the best idea or doing the best work of, of the group's, um, time. 
And it wasn't just about who had the idea or who was right. It was about here's the idea and how many things can you throw at it? And that's where I came up with this idea um, of taking what Apple originally said, which was a thousand no's. And they have this great um, video. If you haven't watched it, it's called um, Intention. Uh, and they released it in 2013. And uh, I think every band program should watch it. Um, but uh, it what it really talks about is that it's all of us into together that we have to learn to, to work together and to live off feedback, um, to make the idea better than ever. So a thousand no's is kind of born from all those wonderful inspiration stories. And it and really could have only been made. Um, if I had, if I had gone through the journeys that I had gone through, through the band director world, through the music world, uh, and again, connecting those dots backwards. And all of a sudden I have, you know, these books in Barnes and Noble and all over the world. And, um, and, and that could have only happened if I learned the lessons I just wrote about. One of the, the as you're saying that, uh, like, if, if at least in my, in my world right now, the way that this is applying to me, uh, two levels. Number one, the thousand no's oftentimes right now is coming from, uh, what, what's the... Uh, uh, outside of us, for example, the the coronavirus has made it so that there are no performances, or the administration has decided that there are no gatherings over ten people, or there are no you know fill in the blank at whatever district level or whatever uh, area of the country you are. So there's exactly. there's that side for us as band directors. But one of the things that I thought was really cool about this, and this was the the conversation that Marie and I had today, was we were talking about some of the the, the things that she was reading, and she said something about uh, one of the little students in her flute class has been taking flute since fourth grade. Well, now they're in sixth grade, and everyone else just started. And she started talking about, well, you know, when I hear her do this, and I I think this, and you know. Th- th- kind of went on about that and I said you know what what would it be if we didn't worry about what other people were playing and just tried to play better than we did the day before like what what do you think that would be like and she said it kind of stopped for a second and she was like well I hadn't really thought about it like that hmm. and I said yeah yeah like what what if it weren't because I think I think one of the students had made the comment of well no matter what we do we can't be as good as she because she started two years ahead of us and uh she i could I, maria said that to kind of see what i thought about it i could tell i, I know how maria <laughs> works and i said well so so what is the goal is it to play play better than some other person or is it to play as well as you possibly can she's well play as well as you possibly can i said well that sounds great but what does that really mean? What do you think that yeah. looks like? And that that really took us on a really good adventure. So like as as I'm as I'm seeing when well, I have to tell you now I have my 8-year-old. She heard Maria talking about the books and now she she took one and she's actually at home right now and when I left she was reading it uh, in her bed. <laughs> because that's what her big sister was doing and they they're so relatable but getting back to the original point, especially, I think that this should be required reading for every beginning band student ever mm. because it, it gives them a, you know, at first it's just appealing, you know, just at the base layer, like we talked about, but then when they start to think about some of the things and even read it maybe a second and third time, it, uh, it makes you think about stuff in a very different way. And what if the motivation weren't to beat someone, 
but it was to just do our best and to make the music as, as well as we possibly can. And I was telling her about how some of the best musical performances I had, there were no chairs, there were no chair placements. It was just us yeah. wanting to be really good at what we were doing. Right. And you know, it, man, you just hit it on the head right there, Bobby. And I, I'll go one step farther too, is that, you know, when we talk about um, not taking yourself too seriously, right? Kind of like these big lessons of, of the Band Nerds book series, which is all humorously inspiring anecdotes about um, the world, the band world that we live in, and combine it with um, this, this growth mindset of a thousand no's. You know, what if you could have a group that is so open to brainstorming and gathering feedback from each other that it's not about bruised egos at all, that you have people um, actually proactively asking others that might be better than them, in fact, should be better than them, for feedback and saying, hey, can you listen to my playing and tell me what you're hearing? And that when that feedback might come back as negative, that it's not seen as a hit to, or a bruise to the ego, that it's seen as a growth uh, a growth step. And that, I think, when you can get a what I call a beautiful culture of brainstorming, that you have a team that can go ahead and throw out all the ideas that could possibly happen, that whatever they're thinking, they could throw out these ideas, and that people feel like they contributed, even if their idea isn't taken. That's what a thousand no's is, is that you're contributing to those thousand no's. And so if you could do that on an individual level, imagine if you had all your beginners go to your, um, go to your you know seniors and say hey would you mind listening to my playing and critique me a little bit and that and that you know beginner when they're done with it go thank you so much versus oh okay i got a lot of work you know like just feeling hurt um and i think that is the, the that's the switch that's the that's the switch that we have to learn that we don't learn that lesson until later in life where we think feedback is a gift we get hurt very often when we're little because we're taught to like hey you know, this is your idea and this is, you know, stand by your idea, defend your idea. And I think that's good on, on the surface, but what it's really teaching people is not to work together. And that's just not how the world works. If you think about it, and, and I, I'm sure you, you guys as band directors can relate, you know, when, when teachers, you know, for lack of a better saying it might complain about what's happening at work. It's rarely about students. It's always about either, um, uh, situations or more, more often than not other adults, because they don't really teach that, when you have really talented people working together, what does that look like to brainstorm together and come up with it? Now, I do think some of the some of the best programs in the country do figure that out, and some of the best teachers in, in the country figure that out. But um, that's a that's a wonderful message, I think, to um, to that that your daughter pulled from that uh, from those books and, and that message, and I, I'm really glad to hear that. Well, you know, one of the things that. I was looking at as I, as we went through this and one of the, some of the ones that she showed me, you know, she was looking at the confessions book and mm -hmm. which is a really, it's a, it's a really cool little thing um, on, on basically the right hand side of most pages is a really cool illustration. That's just hilarious. Like there's one there. It says, sometimes I, I air, I air guitar with a clarinet. And like, I can see this kid. I mean, there's a kid there just rocking out with this. And it's really funny, but, and, and you're reading along, I, like I'm going to read four of these, they're little, you know, maybe two line phrases on one side. Um, and each one kind of has its own thing, but I, I, I can see where the gems are that you planted really pretty carefully. Like I'm going to read four of them. Here's number one. I like that breathing, the thing that gives me life, gives me music. 
guess that's true of mom also. Instrument rentals were expensive. Like, okay, there you go. Band makes me sweat. Band makes me sweat. Like, and just when you think like, oh, wow, that was profound. Here's the next one. Band makes me sweat in all the wrong places. Okay, got it. Okay, and now here's number three. All chair challenges should be to the death. That way, when rehearsals start, everyone gets a solo. Whoa. <laughs> so I was like, okay, got it. Start. And then this is the one, this is the one where I was like, this is the one that when I was reading it, I was like, oh, wow. I need this one. Make sure saying I promise doesn't become your one more time. Mm. And I was like, oh, whoa, hold on just a second. Like that, that because we, we as band directors know that phrase one more time. Yeah, we know it very well. It means nothing. Absolutely. Like that, you might as well just say again, again. Yeah. But that, that thought of saying, I promise, especially as my daughter and I are sitting there reading that I was like, Oh, wow. Wow. Um, and then, then the very next one is I challenge you world to not let your music, uh, humor be cliched and dumb. <laughs> like you, you take us right, you take us right, you take us into a, a world of very serious and then to absolute silliness very quickly. And is that kind of your sense of humor? Is that sort of how you like to uh, uh, impart knowledge or impart wisdom to folks? Oh yeah, hundred percent. You nailed it. Um, it, it. I I like I like the sarcastic humor a lot. I like uh, humor, like you said, that has layers. Um, I do like poking fun at ourselves. Um, the the first that that book is one of my favorites because it's literally like eight hundred quotes um, yep. that I would come up with at uh, uh, random times. Sometimes in the shower. Sometimes you know. I mean, we do all our best thinking on, on the toilet. So I very often you know that's that's <laughs> where those quotes come up from. And um, but there's there's so much wisdom in the band world. And if we could figure out a way, um, and, or this was my mission, is if I could figure out a way to pull those nuggets out in a way that. Um, can get people talking in the way that you just suggested, uh, then that that's really where my contribution is as a writer. And so this is why I've kind of transitioned from where I was as a director to now a writer is that I found that's where my calling is. I found that my contribution to the world is being able to provide people the words to start a conversation. Um, and I, I have over 24 uh, children's books that I've written. And each one of them has multiple layers um, just like this, where um, you can start a conversation with multiple ages. When you talk about, when I go to these, um, like these big band clinics and I sell the books and, you know, it, it almost always starts with, like you said, the goofy part, people walk over and say, Oh, Bender, it's hilarious. It's really, really funny. And then they read through it and they'll, they'll read a, a you know, I'll drop a little knowledge bomb on them right there. Like you just mm -hmm. did. And, and all of a sudden the feels that come out of that, um, is is so impactful, not just because they buy the book, but also that's, what's impactful to me, I guess. But, um, when they, you know, when they, take that back to their, to their group and they're sitting around during lunch and they're reading it and you can make them laugh in one moment and then cry in the next moment. And then the next moment go, Oh, that's Jimmy. Everybody knows Jimmy. This is, this is, this is Jimmy, the one that drinks valve oil, right? Like everybody's got a Jimmy. And so, um, you know, being able to, again, to laugh at us ourselves, like the first book, um, each at the beginning of each book, I, I do a little, um, a little ditty, a paragraph. And there's, and there's four different ones. And the first one was really about, um, the big lesson of not taking yourself too seriously. And, um, because back then this was, you know, this was maybe certain, you know, I went to high school in the nineties and, um, 
and, and times were, were different back then, but it, they were also a lot of it was the same. And, um, you know, self-esteem issues were, were the same. And we didn't talk a lot about the social emotional, which is huge now. Um, and this was my attempt to help bring that social emotional awareness to, uh, to the band world through humor. Um, and as things kind of progressed, um, I'm really happy to see a lot of band programs addressing that as well, because that's part of the whole student. Um, and I think humor is the best way to do it. So yes, I'm a little bit sarcastic, but that's only because, um, that's my, uh, that's my flavor. And I also kind of want to take away the sting of anything that might happen outside of those four band walls. So some of your books, uh, start with, I feel right. Yeah. And so how, how the, those obviously aren't banned books. So what, what was the thought process behind coming up with, with those? Like the, I think it's brilliant because, you know, I feel awesome. I feel, you know, you can, you can kind of fill in other, other words after that. And it seems like a, a, a great series of books. How did you come upon that? Yeah, they, um, well, I was sick one day, uh, and I was, uh, decided to draw some faces on an iPad. Uh, and then I wrote a poem and that ended up being the first book just called I feel. And it's just about all the different emotions you can have. But the lesson is that it's okay to have them all. Um, and what I found is that was that one book was being used, um, in many different ways because there was such a need for, um, you know, emotional learning and recognition, uh, in many aspects of it. So I created a series called the I feel children series, uh, that right, right now is about 10 books, um, typically ages four to eight. Um, but they're used, uh, with, uh, children that are on the spectrum a lot. They're also used with early readers, um, or, um, uh, English second language. Um, so lots of different uses, but at the heart of them, um, is, really about identifying the feelings in yourself and behaviors that go along with that, which, you know, if you're a teacher, even in high school, I, I, that's half our job is to recognize, you know, try to help these students that are, um, behaving a certain way, whether it's positive or negative and trying to find out, you know, trying to connect with them in a way that allows them to speak about what they might be feeling because what they're doing and what they're feeling might not might not be, they may not be able to make that connection. And so those books, um, can allow, uh, opening conversations. They're not just about, um, single emotions. They're about emotional themes, such as doing, uh, good things will make you feel good or making others feel good. will make you feel good, which is, you know, um, obviously a great one for students in the leadership world. You know, the, I wanted to, you had mentioned, and I actually had this marked as, as something that I, I wanted to, to, to talk about just a little bit. You were talking about that introduction, tradition and this is at the beginning of uh yeah. the band nerds awards and yeah. i think that this is this was pretty profound when i was when i was looking through it there's so many great traditions in music they connect us with our past so that we can remember our journey they can make us feel safe as we know what ha what uh, as we know that whatever happens they will always be there there's comfort in knowing that we can always fall back on the traditions of our musical culture however the inherent problem with tradition is that it implies that uh, that things need to be always done the way they've always been done often the only reason given is well it's tradition I believe that when tradition is the only reason for having itself, it's time to move on. There should always be purpose in what we do. It's how we move forward. In some cases, tradition is used to, uh, to excuse or exclude. I'm sorry, used as an excuse to exclude. That's where 
uh, we need to step in. If you don't believe a girl should be a drum major simply because of tradition, not only are you wrong, you're in the way. When traditions get in the way of progress, they are no longer traditions, they're obstacles. Don't be an obstacle that never turns out well. <laughs> yeah, um, that one, uh, I, so all four of the paragraphs that I wrote on all four of the books, I'm, I'm actually pretty proud of um, because they're, they're personal statements. Um, and they've resonated really well. And I actually wrote that one, um, a little bit out of anger. Um, I did hear, so it's actually based off of, um, a a friend of mine's, uh, daughters, um, was told that a girl would never be a drum major in a certain, um, uh, core. And, uh, and it was devastating to her and I was furious about it. And I, I, um, I didn't know what to do. So, um, so I wrote and, you know, as, um, father myself trying to figure out how do I, you know, um, speak with, uh, my, you know, my wife and my daughter and, and not for them. And, you know, how can I be a good advocate and and a good voice without, um, you know, speaking for them because they're, you know, they're strong people. Um, this was just my, my call to that tradition aspect of it. And, uh, and there's so many things that are built in tradition in the band world, which, you know, are, some of them are really wonderful and really great. Um, but like I said, when they, when they get in the way, um, they're just an excuse if they get in the way of progress. Um, and, and I think, you know, very often we hear, you know, on a, on a micro level, you hear seniors, right. Refusing to try something new maybe because it's like, well, this is my senior year. It's tradition. I want to be able to do this. Um, but you know, then I wonder, have they really learned the lessons that they really need to learn, um, Mm -hmm. in order to move forward in life? Um, and I think as band directors, we can always can, you know, not just band directors, but as teachers in general, right. We can always ask ourselves, um, those questions is what are the real lessons our, our students are taking away from us? Um, instead of looking just to the past, um, are they willing to innovate in the future? Because, you know, man, are, do we need innovation more than ever now? Um, we need to be creative. You're like you said, there's so many outside factors that are happening right now where coronavirus, um, and administrations and, you know, uh, political rivals, all these crazy things, civil unrest, all these things that are happening right now, um, that, uh, affect us in so many different ways. And we have to be creative. And I'll give you a really positive example of a teacher that I, um, heard where they let their expectations and uh, of traditional classrooms go away, um, and turn it into something cool. And I'm not saying everybody do this, but I think this is a great example is that it was actually a history teacher when they're everybody like school was shut down and trying to get, um, like I think it was sophomores in high school to like sit in a zoom class for 50 minutes and talk about history was just torture and it was torture for the teacher. So what the teacher did was went on a road trip by herself and every day um, gave class from a different location and learned something about the history of that location. And I thought it was brilliant. Um, and I think about what teacher would have done that or could have done that if they didn't let go of their expectations and what a traditional classroom should have been. So I thought that was a great example of how we can continue to move forward and leave those traditions behind. But more importantly, progress in a way where nobody is left behind. We music is better. I mean, if we all play the same instruments, can you imagine like how 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 boring our music would be? Right. We're, we're made to be different. Our instruments are different for a reason. Um, you know, harmony and dissonance are are representations of differences, not of similarities. And we need to embrace those um, as we move forward. I was teaching a group in Colorado one year and um, 
they were using a, a style of marching that involved some extra motion, um, popping of the knee and, and such. I think it, um, originally the Blue Knights uh, have used that technique or whatever. And the director said to me, we, we've been using this, but there's so much extra stuff to clean. I'd really like to kind of just, you know, take out, take that out. And, and uh, you're here, you're the guest. Um, I would like you to be the hatchet man, essentially. <laughs> and so I went in and I was like, okay, guys, here's how we're going to step off from now on. It's going to be pretty simple. It's like this. And there's this flute player in, in the front of the block just weeping. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, honey, I know you're a senior. Like, I, I get it. But like, this isn't making us better. Uh, actually, it's making us worse because it's more to clean. Like, just trust me. Uh, just please just trust me and, and come along on this journey with me. And and four years from now, the, the next group of seniors, you know, then is going to be like, oh, thank goodness we have an, uh, a style of movement that's a little bit easier. Uh, but, you know, it's <laughs> traditions uh, just become traditions and sometimes they stick around when they shouldn't. Uh, I know obviously hazing used to be a big deal and hopefully today it's not, you know, I think there's been a, a real push over the last 10 years in, in, you know, schools and colleges in general. It's like, guys, we can't, we can't do this anymore. It's just not, it's a tradition. Yes, but it's not making anybody better. Yeah. What's tough about that is you see that the kids who are really intense about tradition are the ones who got stung by it when they were freshmen. Right. At least that's yeah. what I've seen over the years. Yeah. And the, you know, the biggest bullies are the ones that were bullied themselves. Right. Or right. have, have some sort of self-esteem issue around that. And, um, I think we, it, not only, not only does it, um, make people worse, but it, it also hurts people. And I think that's, um, that's, the bigger issue is that um, there are so many things being brought into uh, the forefront um, that were not um, part of the way classrooms were. Um, and it, there were a lot of people being hurt for a lot of reasons. Uh, and, and we have to change. Um, and it's not fast enough, uh, but uh, hopefully it, it, it is continuing in the right direction. Um, I, I'm really hopeful with um, the kids that I see today um, around their level of um, engagement and, and civil engagement with each other and, um, and acknowledgement of, um, how similarities are bring us together, but our differences are what makes us stronger. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I, you know, DJ, I wanted to, to make sure that people know how to find you and also maybe talk a little bit about, you have a book that's coming out, I think next uh, August of 2021. Do you speak fish as I'm, yeah. as I'm looking at this? I think that, which, you know, I was like, you, just when I think I know where you're coming from, I, I lose you. <laughs> like, what, yeah. what are you talking about, dude? And I know it's going to be hilarious. And I think that's probably the point, right? Like, yeah, uh, you're, well, I, I, so, I mean, you know, you, you did start off with saying I was the ninja. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I always look to strike when you, when you least expect it, but yeah. So a thousand no's is in bookstores this, um, this fall. So you can get it. I really urge you to support your bookstores. You can get it at Amazon if you want to. Um, but I urge you to support your local bookstores first, Barnes and Noble, um, and go ahead and grab a copy. Um, no matter what age you are, um, mm -hmm. if you're in any type of business, if you're, um, a creative professional, um, or you want to buy it for kids as a gift, it's a multi-layered book with lots of lessons to pull from it. The artist Dan Doherty is, is amazing and he's a good guy and i had to teach him all about band he's the same guy that did the band nerds books um for and then also all the band nerds books are actually out in um 
in all the bookstores as well. Uh, and actually, all of them are in Target as well. So you can get them pretty much wow. everywhere globally. Yeah, I'm really, uh, life has, uh, has been good over the past, uh, well, not 2020, but the previous year, it started off really well. <laughs> yeah. And um, 2020, just everything kind of changed our expectations, if you will. How did you get um, hooked up with Dan, uh, the illustrator? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, uh, Craigslist. Um, I, I, okay. um, I, yeah. Wait, this, uh, this is a different podcast now. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, yeah, actually, that's great. I actually, uh, I actually um, put out an ad for him when I wrote all those poems. And he uh, he gave me some samples that was outstanding, and we found each other there. And lo and behold, we were actually in in um, in Chicago. But a real funny story about him is that he had never really been in band or known anything about band. So I'd have to send him these pictures of me holding various instruments because I'm like, listen, band kids get real serious if you don't have the grip right, or oh, yeah. you know, like you can't just throw it out there. And um, there was one time where there was, I think, in in the poetry book towards the end, there's an error where um there's a clarinet randomly standing up on a bell and um he dan actually went to grand nats with me to help sell the book in my first year and kids were commenting on it and i just looked at him i'm like i told you bro i'm like you don't mess with band kids grips like you don't you don't do it wrong and um and so from then on he was always asking for random pictures he has i'm sure he has a ton of embarrassing photos of me you know in my living room playing all that stuff but the, um, the there's lots of in, uh, instances of marketing campaigns where you see a trumpet player playing with their left hand. Oh my something. goodness! Oh yeah, oh yeah, or the the saxophone player without a without a mouthpiece. That's my favorite one. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Do You Speak Fish is coming out in August. <laughs> um, it's actually a book about learning to communicate with others that are different than you, and oh, wow. so um, so it it will be another book that's um, going to be multi layered. It's actually. Um, all done, and uh, I can't wait to share it with everyone because I think it's another, uh, especially my where my heart is, which is the band director world. Um, you know, I think it'll be another great tool um, to to help teach your young leaders with um, both a thousand knows the Bandards books and um, Do Speak Fish. Is it, they're all wonderful lessons that can be learned um, through the musical uh, dimension. So I really appreciate um, you guys taking the time to have me on on your show as well. Well, I wanted to read the last thing that I, I felt would, would take us out is, uh, and, and I have to tell you, I didn't see this the first time through. Um, my daughter had the handbook, hmm. you know, the band nerd, the marching band nerds handbook. <laughs> and, you know, it, there, there's some great ones in here. There's one that's, uh, let me, let me find it right here. It says marching band is not a, marching band is an art, not a sport, but if it were a sport, the drummers would win. And you know, it has this great illustration of the drum line running through. There's a, there's another one that says, "Color Guard's famous last words." Trust me, and it's a trombone player standing there beside a, a rifle thrower. You know, it's 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 those kinds of things. And my daughter mentioned, she said, "I really liked that poem at the end of the book I th because we had our last public performance Friday night, and she got to come and, and listen to it. She goes, I "Really like that that." I don't even know if she called it a poem. She really liked that. I, I said, a, she said, I like that thing at the end of that book about the unscalable wall. And it made me think of mm -hmm. your band. And I was like, okay. And so I went and I read it. And I think that this is a great message for all of us right now. So I hope I'm not giving too much away of, of no. reading these, but I, I, this one was pretty powerful to me, especially where I sit today in November of 2020. <laughs> oh no, go for it. I'd love to hear you read it. Uh, so it's called the unscalable wall. It's, it's the end of 
these hilarious little little sayings, and it says, my marching band and I reached an unscalable wall. We tried to climb over, but it's impossibly tall. It's a million feet wide and a billion yards up. We tried to march through it, but that wasn't enough. There were words on the wall that were scattered about, words like difficult, impossible, fear, and self-doubt. Sometimes we'd feel like we wanted to quit, that the wall was much bigger than we'd like to admit. But we'd pick ourselves up and break down our parts. We'd drill in our moves till we knew them by heart. The judges would judge us show after show, the wall's shadow upon us wherever we'd go. But when finals arrived, the words were not taunting. The wall was still there, but it wasn't as daunting. In the end, it was us the audience crowned. We made a wall of our own, a wall of our sound. Beautiful. Which I thought was was really cool in this time. We've talked about tradition. We've talked about, you know, what things are. And I think in this year where there are no, nothing can be the same completely. It yeah. has to be new and innovative and adaptive. And I'm seeing, you know, I've seen what Jeff and the, the guys at Carmel have done to make a great show out of out of what could have been a disaster. And our friends, we we have friends in Texas that are doing great things. You know, we, we had a performance for our parents Friday night after the football game. It was so cool. We actually played in halftime and not all the parents could get tickets. So we actually just finished, walked right over to our practice field and performed again oh. for all the parents. And it was like, there were parents that were crying like babies out there, <laughs> but mainly because they'd seen what their kids have gone through this year. And, and one of the things that a kid said to me that was really powerful is, and I'm not going to mention the name, but they said, I wish so-and-so was still here. We had a student that just got overwhelmed with too much stuff and ended up having to quit. And when I think about those band directors and, and band kids everywhere that are going through so much right now, it would be comfortable. It, your life would be much more comfortable to walk away and quit, yeah. but it wouldn't be satisfying and it wouldn't be thrilling and it wouldn't be as fulfilling as when I heard our band play Earth, Wind and Fire September on Friday night, mm. you know, like mm. I never thought I would say those words, but I sure enough, I'm saying them right now. And I think DJ, what your books bring to us are, you know, they're a place of entry for the youngest of us. And they're also a point of repose for maybe those of us who are a little jaded and have been around for a long time. So <laughs> thanks for being able to make something that fits so many different levels and for really trying to reach out to students who maybe are on the spectrum, students that have issues, uh, difficulty communicating. It, and that's really everybody in band. If we're truly honest about it, it's really all of us. But thank you for for making a medium that really celebrates and acknowledges all of those things oh, well thank you guys and um thank you for all the hard work that you guys are doing and you know my wife's a teacher and i'm obviously a former teacher and um what you guys are doing right now is really really hard um but it is so needed and so worth it so thank you very much for um your belief um in 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 what could be um this year so thank you well, thank you, DJ, and uh, our, to our audience, thank you for listening. And please support DJ in any way that you can with uh, purchasing his books. And um, uh, as always, guys, uh, it's been a pleasure. And until next time, this is That Band Life. I'm Jeff Young. And I'm Bobby Lambert. See you next time. <laughs>